0: Isn't he worthy of our praise? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you. We lift you up, Jesus. Hallelujah. He is worthy of it. He is worthy of it, not just because of what he's done for us, but for who he is. Amen. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty all by himself. Amen. And he he sits on the throne, and there's no one beside him no one else to give glory to but him. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad to know who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. He is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here tonight to worship the Lord. Amen. As the body comes together, we come to exalt Jesus because he is our head. Amen. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He knows each and every need that we have and whether spoken or unspoken, he can meet every so good. Uh, heard from sister uh, Pauline today. She's out of the hospital. And she's in. She's in rehab. So uh, praise God for that. Amen. I'm gonna go minister to somebody else in there. Whoever knows. Whoever God has for her. Amen. Amen. She's, uh, uh, she's. She's. Great. She's a great part of the family here. Amen. We'll continue to lift her up in prayer and all those that are in need. Amen. Whether it's you, you're suffering, you have a need, or somebody you know. God can meet that need, amen, Man, we want to lift those knees up before the Lord as our ushers come, amen, please uh, remember the uh, ladies, uh, ladies have been here, or this, this Saturday at 1030, right, 1030 this Saturday, amen, Going on, on a prayer journey, amen, bring your rucksack and get ready to go, amen, you're, you uh, uh, going to have a great time, amen, also, it's Weeks. Coming up in two weeks uh, is family camp, if you're uh, interested in going into that. Uh, two weeks from tonight, we'll be there. Uh, and So if you can get away, great time, great uh, blessing to go. Amen. Be a part of that. Amen. We're excited for the kingdom of God and all that's involved in it. Amen. Amen. Let's let's go before the Lord as we lift up our hands in prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God, for this time, this opportunity. Lord, that we can come. We can lift up your name. We can magnify you, Jesus. You are worthy, God. You know, each and every need here, God, we plead the blood of Jesus over every mind, every heart, and everybody, Lord, that your will be done. Bless your offering, multiply for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name.
1: Hallelujah,
0: you are worthy Lord, we lift you up tonight, amen, amen, Man, uh, we go to the text tonight, Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 9, amen, continuing our series where we are just about wrapped up, amen, I know I've been saying that for a while, but uh, we really are getting near the end, getting near eternity actually. And it probably feels like that, but we're almost there. Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. so continuing from last week and uh, adding on to our series about the kingdom. Last week, we really got into it, how Jesus uh, returned to this world with uh, his armies from heaven, and he destroys the armies of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown alive into the lake of fire. And so Jesus sets up his kingdom here on the earth, the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And we began exploring what the kingdom will look like here on earth as it is manifested here in a physical form amen, in the nation of Israel, uh, headquarters at Jerusalem, and we saw through scripture how Israel is now the world's superpower, uh, and the headquarters of the world, the world revolves around Israel now, at kind of how it revolves around America, now it revolves around Israel, obviously because you've got the king of kings there, amen, he's going to be first uh, in everyone's lives and in this world, and so Uh, When he shows up, uh, it's all about him and his kingdom. Uh, We're we're given these descriptions about how ten Gentiles will grab the coat of a Jew and and say that uh, we want to go up to Jerusalem with you uh, because we know that God is with you. We know that you are a blessed people because Jesus is here and he is in your midst. And the Word of God tells us that the nation that does not serve Israel will perish. Uh, We don't know how that will come to be, but uh, those nations don't want to find out. Uh, And I'm sure maybe there will be some that do or don't. I don't know. Uh, But the Word of God says if the nation does not serve Israel, they will perish. Uh, Jesus rules this world. And the surviving kingdoms described as he rules it with the rod of iron. And we, the people of God, are said to, that we will rule and reign with Jesus as kings and priests in the world. And as to the extent of that, how that actually looks and plays out in the millennial kingdom kind of remains to be seen. Uh, how that will be set up. But it really doesn't matter, does it? We're just, we're just going to be happy to be there. And so we will have positions of authority, and we will help rule this world with righteousness as Jesus is uh, the Lord and Savior and King of kings. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like now how we have been given power and authority in our lives to walk in the paths of righteousness and to, uh, to bind devils in Jesus' name and to tear down strongholds, and we have been given that power and authority right now. But the major difference uh, between how we live now and how it will be during the millennial kingdom is that there's not going to be a devil around in the millennial kingdom because he is bound for a thousand years during that time uh, as an angel binds him and throws him in the bottomless pit. Now we have to deal with uh, the devil uh, roaming, roaring around as a, as a lion seeking to devour somebody. He's out there. Uh, during the millennial reign, he's not going to be out there doing that. So it's going to be different. Uh, the power of sin and death is going to be curtailed. It's going to be kind of be hold, held back a little bit. Uh, righteousness is going to rule this world and it will be the dominating force in this world. Instead of uh, evil and unrighteousness and the the kingdom of darkness ruling this world uh, that currently has its tentacles spread all throughout this world, covering the earth, uh, and that time when the kingdom arrives, it's going to be righteousness that rules the world. Uh, And it's going to be completely different than the way it is right now. Praise God for that. Uh, There's going to be peace for a thousand years, Uh, peace that passes all understanding. Uh, It passes all understanding because the Bible says that the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. That passes all of our understanding. We don't understand that type of peace. That peace is not here in this world. That peace comes from Jesus Christ, comes from heaven. How the the lion, the wolf and the lamb lie down together. Uh, It says the lion is going to not be carnivorous. The mighty roar of the lion is not going to mean anything anymore because the lion is going to eat straw like a cow. That's going to be amazing to see too. Uh, it passes all our understanding. We can't figure that out now. And uh, maybe we'll have uh, super s- smart brains then. And it's not going to matter. It's really not going to matter then for us because we'll be there with Jesus, right? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the only lion we're worried about, right? Um, we we discovered last week that uh, people are going to live for hundreds of years, uh, because it says a child that dies at 100, will that's going to be a tragedy. The poor child died at 100 because they died so young. Uh, and the benefit of a long life is only extended to the righteous people because a sinner that lives to be 100 years old is said to be accursed. Uh, and so there's going to be an interesting mix of people that we looked into that You'll have the the unbelievers uh, or sinners uh, still left around who survive the seven years of tribulation who do not believe in Jesus and follow him. Uh, and this kingdom uh, is going to be for a thousand years, and so these people, these Gentiles uh, that uh, haven't come to faith, uh, they're obviously going to have kids. I mean, you a thousand years of humans, you're going to have lots of kids, uh, and so children be born. Uh, the sin nature uh, is still going to be kind of passed down because death is still around, and that hasn't been taken care of yet uh, because people, again, we read the verse Well a child will die at 100, uh, and so death is still around, which means there's uh, sin still around to some degree, as they said, it's cur- curtailed. It's kind of... Uh, uh, being ruled over with Jesus Christ and the rod of iron. And you've got the Israelites, you've got the people of God that live long and prosperous lives and have children too, and they, uh, if they die at 100, it will be a tragedy. Um, and then there would be you and I who are, uh, I guess, the best way to be said is as we're, we would be the immortals, the, the people that have uh, been raptured up out of here who have the, uh, the, the new body, the eternal body, the resurrected body. Born again believers that are caught up in the rapture, and we have these bodies that cannot die because we've already passed through that phase. Will be coming from heaven with Jesus, and so uh, anything that uh, lives in heaven is, is doesn't die; it's eternal. Uh, and so we have those we will have those type of bodies, but yet there will be people, humans here that will perish, as we saw in the scriptures. Uh, but here's uh, something to think about. I know that we can kind of get a little uh, selfish, a little carried away thinking about our personal eternal lives, uh, but you and I just won't be the only ones there. I believe that you and I will see all the heroes of the faith. We read about it in Scriptures Moses is going to be there, right? I mean, Elijah, Elisha, King David, Peter, Paul, John, the apostles, all of the men and women and heroes of faith we read in the Bible, uh, if I understand my Bible right, they're going to rise in the rapture too, right? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Uh, And so all those who have gone before us who who are in the grave, uh, they will be resurrected in the the rapture uh, and be caught up to meet him in the air along with us. Amen. And so we'll we'll see these uh uh apostles and and great heroes of the faith. We'll see them in heaven because we'll be there up there for all the time, the party and the the marriage supper of the lamb and all that's going on. Uh so we'll see them before uh we see them here on the earth because we'll all be together. But uh I I I don't know how it's all going to play out and how we're going to play out, but uh, obviously we're going to exist to some degree and uh, have our lives, but I would imagine you'd be able to go up to the giant slayer himself. That you would be able to walk up to to King David and and talk about that time, uh, where he killed Goliath there, and he killed the bear. And, and amazing, what 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 was it like? Tell us about that story and uh, the bear and the lion and 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 Goliath. And uh, it's going to be quite the time. But we don't need to get caught up in the 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 us and them mindset. Uh, Yeah, David had his battles with the bear and the lion and Goliath, and as exciting as it is to read about those accounts, you and I, we have a whole lot more available to us than David ever did, spiritually speaking. We have a whole lot more than David ever had. Uh, and so maybe David is going to be running up to you asking you to tell uh, him of all uh, the stories and the, the accounts in your life, the battles that you fought, the, uh, not the physical giants that he, that he beat, but spiritual giants that you defeated, the, the devils that you defeated, because uh, we have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Unlike many people of the faith who died, did not receive that promise, that many saw afar off but did not receive it. Uh, instead, instead, David might be running up to you asking you to tell uh, him some stories of your life. Um, it it may be him seeking us out. Tell me of the time that you defeated that devil, that you tore down that stronghold, that you held on to your faith, that you prayed and you interceded for that person and they, and they were healed. And, and tell me of the time that God used you for that miracle and, 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 and David faced physical enemies but uh, we face much stronger adversary, a uh, spiritual enemy, uh, because Ephesians 6 tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are the battles that you and I are fighting on a daily basis. Uh, when David defeated his enemies, they died. They didn't come back around. Uh, but our enemies, they don't die. They, they keep on coming back, and they keep attacking, and they, they, keep, uh, they keep pursuing us. And we have to keep pushing them back. We have to keep fighting and keep praying and keep showing up to the battle and fighting the good fight of faith. And so many times, in many ways, uh, we have it a lot harder than David did. But we, yeah, we lift up David for killing a giant, which obviously a physical battle, that's quite the thing. But uh, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare, which is which is so much uh, different on a different level than the physical. Obviously, we understand uh, both aspects because we are uh, we live in the physical world and that uh, we deal with the spiritual. But uh, uh, and so, as much as you may want to run up to David, maybe David is going to run run up to you and have you tell him of his your war stories. Hebrews 12:1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are all compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin does easily, easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, it's not going to be all about the heroes of faith. That's great to see them. Uh, but we are the ones in the fight, too. And, and Jesus says, Greater work shall we do. Uh, and so uh, we've gotta, we're going to have a lot of great stories to tell, uh, as well as sitting down and hearing all their great stories. So it's really going to be quite the time. And maybe we'll get all our war stories out in heaven. I don't know uh, how fast we'll be able to talk and all those things. But uh, uh, notice, know that it's not just going to be us here, but obviously all the people that died in the faith will be resurrected at the coming of Jesus Christ. And so we'll all be there together. Uh, and so the kingdom is going to be uh, an amazing thousand years on this earth, uh, unlike any other time, and we get to be a part of it. As ambassadors for Christ now, we are paving the way for it to come. We are here uh, in this world, uh, but we're not of the world because we're born again and we're citizens of this coming kingdom. And we're here uh, laying the groundwork. We're, we're helping to grow this coming kingdom uh, as we teach and preach Acts 2.38 and John 3 and 5. How uh, you must be born again. That if you want to be a part of this coming uh, physical kingdom, you got to take care of your business right now. You've got to repent of your sins and get baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, continue to live that righteous and holy life. Uh, And so we're here helping to build the kingdom that is to come because we're adding uh, citizens to this kingdom that will show up physically one day. And so the kingdom of heaven is strengthened. Its power and its influence reaches even further after uh, each soul is added to it. And uh, the soul that is snatched from the kingdom of darkness and pulled out of that miry clay like we were that one day, uh, and we are planted into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of righteousness. And so uh, the kingdom of darkness takes a loss, but the kingdom of heaven uh, suffers a a victory and and again begins to grow and experience revival uh, and and grows its reach in this world. And so that is why uh, the the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over that one sinner that repents because that's the beginning. That's the beginning of the turning. When Once that heart repents and that begins turning that individual, turning from the ways of darkness, turning from the ways of sin and the kingdom of darkness uh, towards Jesus Christ and the kingdom of light. And uh, we want to help the kingdom grow as much as possible and help it expand. And we are right in the middle of it in the here and now, uh, fighting the physical battle. Uh, that wages on each and every day. Well, one day, uh, the kingdom of heaven will be manifested in this world. And we will see righteousness rule this world. And we will see that I will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And so that's why uh, we read last week uh, also a, a thing that happens in the millennial kingdom. It says uh, that prayers are going to be answered immediately. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I'm going to hear. Uh, And so it's going to be an amazing account. I know we have prayers that are answered now. And and as much as we want our prayers to be answered immediately, uh, God knows what's best. And not not every prayer is answered immediately. Uh, Many of them are are, are not answered for years. Or whatever God's timing uh, is, uh, that's how he teaches us patience and long-suffering. Uh, through our, our constant uh, prayer request before the Lord. but here in uh, the scripture it says, "Before they call, I will answer, while they are yet speaking, I will hear." And so why is that? is because God's will is being done in the earth as it is in heaven it's his will is being done immediately there's there's no delay like it's in heaven it's done immediately uh no delay, no building up prayer memorials and waiting for them to be answered immediately instantly things happen in the kingdom of heaven uh because the king of kings is here and his will is being done uh without uh without being fought against without uh 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 human pride and and, and arrogance get in the way, Uh, God's will is done in the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, immediately his will is being done. And so that is for the blessed people, we we, we get to experience the immediate prayers answered. But this immediacy, this uh, imminency, uh, also applies to judgment. Because if prayers are immediately answered, then judgment on sinners and unbelievers is going to become instant as well. Because His will is going to be done in the earth as it is in heaven. We want the immediate blessings, uh, but if we if we get the immediate blessings, then also that means immediate judgment happens as well uh, to the sinners and unbelievers. Um, and so it's it's kind of hard to fathom. That there's going to be people here on the earth that have survived this tribulation period. They survived the seal judgments. They witnessed all these things. They survived the trumpet judgments. Survived, somehow live through the bold, vile judgments. And yet they still do not want to do or don't want anything to do with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we read about those Gentiles who, who grab a hold of the coat to the Jews and, and say, we want to go up to Jerusalem and, and worship with you because we know that God is there with you, and we want to be, uh, be blessed like you're blessed, and, and we want to come and worship. We, we read about those uh, in this time, but there are also plenty of people that do not want to go up to Jerusalem. That want nothing to do with Jesus. And again, this is hard to imagine, this this transformation that has taken place. Uh, we see in Zechariah 14, It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem uh, shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the tabern- the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, here we see that King Jesus, once he establishes his, his kingdom on the earth, one of the laws and or requirements that he establishes is that everyone, every nation, every family, or every person will be required or represented, must be represented to some degree, that you need to come to Jerusalem and worship the King, the Lord of Hosts. And participate in the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, The Feast of Tabernacles was a yearly festival that the Jews were uh, supposed to uphold and, and, and do every year. It lasted for seven days. And part of its ceremony was that everyone dwelt in tents for those seven days. I don't care what kind of house you had. You come to Jerusalem and the Feast of Tabernacles uh we would all you'd all be camping out. Um bring your camp uh bring your tent because that's that's the way it was. Lasted for seven days and they all dwelt in tents. It was a big camp out and the reasoning for this was and the dwelling in tents was to be a reminder to the nation of Israel when God delivered them out of Israel out of Egypt that they had to dwell in tents in the wilderness. The transition period from coming out of slavery into freedom, uh, they dwelt in tents as it was a journey to get across the wilderness into the promised land. And so uh, this was to help the people grasp just a little bit of what the nation of Israel had to go through uh, during this transition time. And it was uh, designed to help reinvigorate a sense of appreciation and gratitude. Not only for what Israel went through being delivered out of Egypt, uh, but also to get their minds uh, focused on, on God and what he did for them. How, how it was God who brought them out of Egypt. Uh, and, and so you go, you, go, uh, you go primitive camping for a week, you'll get close to God real quick. Uh, I know many of us, maybe it's been a few years. Uh, but just go uh, camp out in your backyard one night. Um, just just one night. It's all it takes, really. But seven nights will really drill it down into you of how close you can get to God and how far you were from Him, living in the luxuries of your life. Uh, and, and so, uh, this is what God. One of the one of the uh, three feasts that they had to do every year was the feast of tabernacles. Everyone's going to be roughing it for a week. Uh, primitive camping. Uh, to remind you where you came from and what I brought you out of. Uh, you're going to sleep in tents for a week. Uh, and so uh, imagine, imagine if every 4th of July the government required us to relive the conditions the colonialists lived under. To sleep in their tents, to eat the food that they ate for seven days. Imagine if we did that. I think we as Americans and we as a nation would probably be a lot different today if we did that. Why? Because we'd we'd never forget what they went through, the hardships and the the, the sacrifice that they went through. Uh, We have a a fresh sense of appreciation for their sacrifice and uh, a deeper gratitude uh, uh, for God's hand through it all. Uh, And to take us from our comfort zones and to take us from our luxuries in life and to pull us away from all the blessings that we have experienced and are drowned with and to get our minds and our hearts fixed solely on what God had done uh, for us and in our past and as a nation, it will change us. And yet yeah, that is something that Jesus will require in the millennial kingdom, that every nation is going to come and represent, be represented here at the uh, feast of tabernacles, so that not just Israel is going to remember all that I've done for them, uh, but all nations, all people will acknowledge God's hand and God's provision in the in the nation of Israel. Not just the the 70 years that they uh, were were uh, out in bondage and the 400. Uh, 400 years in, in Egypt, how they passed through the wilderness, uh, but uh, the 2,000 years that it's still adding up. How God's hand is on everything. How He's putting the puzzle pieces back together here in these last days. God's hand is still on the nation of Israel, and everyone's going to acknowledge God's hand on it in, in this millennial kingdom. Uh, and so, uh, every everyone that survives as as uh, Zechariah 14 and 6. Everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem when he came and he slaughtered the the armies of the Antichrist uh, shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In verse 17, it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So the word of God is throwing the uh, disclaimer out there. Uh, you people that do not want to come to Jerusalem and worship the King of Kings, guess what? There's not going to be any rain for you. Uh, and again, this is uh, uh, falling under God's will immediately being done in your earth. When Jesus says no rain for you, guess what? No rain for you. Immediately, you don't got to wait for the thunder. You don't got to wait for the summer rains to come. There's no rains for you. Uh, because his will is done immediately. You don't want to come up to Jerusalem. You don't want to worship the king of kings. That's fine. That's your choice. Boom, no rain for you. Immediate judgment. No rain for your crops or, oh, your neighbor came and your, your neighbor came and worshipped me. Guess what? Thunderstorms on his farm. Uh, your, your farm is a desert. God has the power to do that. He can he can control the weather with his words, uh, and so uh, immediate uh, judgment happens as long as uh, along with immediate blessings and immediate uh, answered prayers. And So it goes both ways. Obviously, uh, the people of God are not going to skip out on the feast of tabernacles. Amen. Uh, we'll be the first ones there. Uh, verse 18. And if the family of Egypt go not up. Uh, how, you know, imagine the Egyptians going up to Jerusalem. That's going to be a long journey for them. Uh, but um, if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague. Guess what? No rain and guess what? Plague's coming for you. Uh, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to the feasts of tabernacles. Uh, and so, uh, why, was, why is Zechariah prophesying this? Because there's going to be people that don't, are not going to want to go up. Uh, um, How is that going to be? It's, there's going to be people here that still uh, aren't believing in Jesus after all that they've experienced. Uh, and so, verse 19, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of the Tabernacles. However, many nations remain after the Great Tribulation period. It uh, doesn't matter. Uh, Jesus is going to keep track. If any nation is not represented, guess what? Not going to be good for you. And this probably obviously pairs with the, the, the word of God that says uh, the nation that will not serve uh, Israel will perish. Uh, they're probably going to perish through famine and plagues and no rain because of God's judgment happens right then. Again, it's hard to realize uh, that there's going to be people that will not want to come to Jerusalem and to worship God. Uh, we we, uh, we understand that now. There's a lot of people out there that don't care about Jesus. They don't have time for him. Uh, but we're talking about during the millennial reign uh, where the earth has been transformed and there. are there's peace throughout the world. There's no wars or rumors of war. The lion you're looking at the lions eating cow, uh, eating grass like a cow. And, and come on, you, you can't acknowledge in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And how could you not want to go up to Jerusalem after all that you've witnessed? And yeah, there's there's going to be people there. Verse twenty, in that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bulls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seethe therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. And so... Uh, we under we know that the furniture that's uh, uh, in the temple and the candlestick, the table of showbread, you got the brazen altar, uh, the la- laver, uh, all those parts of the tabernacle obviously was a part of the the worship, the ceremony that that God established and instructed Moses and Israel to obey by abide by. Well, that whole process of sacrificing the animal and eventually bringing his blood inside into the, uh, into the Holy of Holies, uh, those priests obviously had utensils. I mean, you're just not going to grab this bowl by, your, by the hands and, and take care of yourself. They had knives, they had utensils, uh, plates, bowls, whatever, whatever they had. Uh, and since those items were used in this process, they were considered holy because this is, this is a holy utensil. It is used in the, the temple, the tabernacle of, uh, of the Lord. And, and so uh, bowls that were used in the altar process uh, were different than the bowls that you ate cereal out of. Even if they were made the exact same size and even if they were made at the same Chinese factory, Uh, The bowls that were used in the altar were different than the bowls at home because one was holy, one was set apart, and one was just the common use. These things are set apart. Uh, And so um, uh, the one that was holy was set apart because the priests would use those uh, items. Uh, Well, here in the kingdom, it says, Bells of the horses say holiness unto the Lord. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And it, what basically it's saying that there's, there's no more going to be this, this veil of separation. Everything that is used is going to be used for worship. Everything is going to be used in worship. Every bowl is going to be used to worship Jesus and give him thanks. Every bell, even the common bell that is on the horse is going to be inscribed holiness unto the Lord. Why? Because we're in the millennial kingdom. Uh, Jesus Christ is here in the earth and he's ruling this world Uh, and so everything in Israel, every little common piece is going to become a part of worship uh, unto the Lord And, and we're going to worship God with these things. It's going to be a world full of worship, a city full of worship, and worship is going to become a lifestyle the way that God intended it to become. It's not just something that you're going to go do once a week, but it's going to be always and continual in everything that we do. It's not just going to be a festival you go to once a year, but every day we're going to be worshiping Jesus Christ. In the kingdom, it becomes a lifestyle, not just a time or two, but all days, every single day in all things are we going to be giving God glory. Thus, the bells on the horses are going to say holiness unto the Lord. And we as citizens of that coming kingdom, as ambassadors, aren't we supposed to be living that lifestyle right now? If we're to be the representatives of the coming kingdom, uh, we're supposed to be living by that already. Shouldn't we be showing the world of how the kingdom is going to be? Every pot that is used in worship, the, the little common bell on the horse says holiness unto the Lord. And, and so how are we uh, representing this to the world today? Colossians tell, uh, tells us, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts uh, to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father by him. And so this applies not just praying for our food. Not just praying for our food, but we're we're thanking God for our jobs, and we're thanking God for our raises, and we're thanking God for the blessings of another a new car, Uh, thanking God for our homes and our families and our clothes and our healings, from from the big things to the small things, Uh, from the house uh, to the pots and the bells. It's all for God's glory. It's all because of Him. It's all for His holiness unto the Lord. That's how we. That's how we show the world uh, what's coming, what's getting ready to come. We give God thanks for everything. Uh, and, and people uh, can hear and understand your gratitude and, and, and how, how you're so thankful and you're so happy that we're full of the holiness uh, and, and the Holy Ghost and the joy of the Lord. Thank God for that and uh, bless God for that. And uh, uh, the more grateful attitude that we have, the more that we are showing off what. Uh, the kingdom that is coming because the simple small bells on a horse are going to say holiness unto the Lord. It's all going to be a lifestyle of worship uh, in the coming kingdom and we're here now uh, to show the world what is yet to come. And so it should be a part of our daily life that uh, holiness unto the Lord is is a a part of every aspect of our life from the big to the small. Musicians if you would come and so this is what the, the kingdom is going to, to be like. Going to the Feast of Tabernacles it's not going to be a problem for us. Uh, but there will be people that won't go and won't want to go, as we had mentioned. Uh, that goes to show you that you can live in a perfect world. Your environment can be Perfect. You can be alive during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and peace be all around you and worship be everywhere. And every bell uh, that you see says holiness unto the Lord and every every bowl, every utensil is being used to worship God. And and still, uh, there's going to be people that are not going to want to go up to worship. You can live in a perfect world. But there will still be people that will not want to go. That goes to show you that being in a perfect world, uh, and yet still in your heart there can be evil and sin and hatred. It's not a. It's not a world issue. It's not an environment issue. It is a sin issue. It is a heart issue. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know them? That's why we need to get a uh, created in me a clean heart and renewal of right spirit within me, because we don't want that old carnal heart, because it's desperate, uh, it's deceitful, and desperately wicked. We need a new heart from Jesus Christ, and He will give it to everyone that asks of Him. If we repent and are baptized and are filled with the Holy Ghost, we become that new creature in Christ. But not everyone in the millennial kingdom, or here on the earth. Uh, Is going to go through that process, as we had uh, read. People will not want to go up to worship in in Jerusalem. Uh, And and so Jesus rules the nations, rules this world with a rod of iron. Boom, judgment happens. You don't want to come? Boom, no rain for you. Boom, plagues coming immediately. A a rod of iron. Uh, Jesus does not play when he is king. Uh, and, And people will obey. People will bow. Maybe in their heart they're standing up and saying, "I don't like this," but I'm going to do it because that rod of iron is there. Uh, and so people are pouting. Uh, God's will is being done in the earth as it is in heaven, uh, but that doesn't mean it's being done in people's hearts. And what does God care about most? He cares about people's hearts because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And basically, uh, what's in your heart is is really who you are. Uh, and so you can be obedient. Uh, Outwardly, but inwardly, you can you can not be obedient uh, and and be uh, standing instead of bowing. Uh, and So this is probably uh, what it's going to look like for the people. Uh, it may look like everyone is obeying uh, and, and submitting to God's will uh, and his will is being done. But there's going to be people in their hearts where they're not really like, I don't want to do this but I'm I'm doing it out of fear of of the Lord. And so during this thousand years, it's going to be a time of blessing for the people of God, but it is also still a time of testing for Gentiles and those unbelievers. Uh, The world has already been purged from wickedness and sin through the tribulation period. Uh, Many people are lost and uh, uh, are, are killed. Uh, but sin has not been removed yet. Death has not been removed yet, as we had witnessed that a child will die at 100. Uh, and therefore, uh, we can surmise that mankind's wicked and carnal nature, nature is still around. But yet, Jesus is ruling with a rod of iron, so he's keeping everyone in check. But that doesn't mean he's keeping everyone's heart in check. Uh, uh, but people fall into to line really quick. Otherwise, they face uh, the no rain and plagues. But we see after the thousand years, Revelation chapter 20, when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, what do you think is going to happen? The world has just experienced 1,000 years of peace, never before happened. All nations, nobody's fighting with each other. As soon as something happens, Jesus, that rod of iron goes down. No more arguments. There's peace in the world. Thousand years of prosperity, thousand years of longevity and long living. The world has got a taste of the kingdom of heaven and what eternity is getting ready to be like. Righteousness, peace, and joy are ruling the world. I mean, it is it is the best time to ever be alive. Uh, An unbelievable time. Uh, And and so Satan is released out of this after the thousand years are up. And you would think that the people of the world would rise up and kill off Satan themselves. We don't want you around here, Satan. Look how how great it's been. You haven't showed up for a thousand years. There's a reason why everything is great because you haven't been around. And then Satan shows up after the thousand years. You would think that the, the world would be a lockstep and say, Satan, we don't want you in here. But if you stand with me tonight, we see in verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as of the sand of the sea. After sin and death and the devil have been clamped down for a thousand years, Satan comes back and still, still, Satan is able to gather together an army whose number is as the sand of the sea. And who do you think they're going to get in the battle formation to go fight? We're talking millions of people here. Millions of people, he convinces millions of people to gather together and hey, let's go fight Jesus and take him out. There are a thousand years of him reigning. Are you insane? How is this how is this happening? And you would think that nobody would show up to this battle. You would think that you're crazy. I've seen Jesus rule. For these hundreds of years, or however long these unbelievers are living, and you would think to say, "I ain't touching him. I'm only going to worship Jesus. I ain't going to fight against him. My my crops died because I didn't show up to Jerusalem. No rain came from me. Why would I want to go fight against somebody who could just speak and the rain disappear? What's my little plowshare? What's my little sword going to do against Jesus Christ?" But yet, after a thousand years, Satan gathers an army of the sand of the sea. Because the sin nature is still around. Human corruption is still there, still buried in their hearts. And so Jesus has kept everyone and everybody in check. But on the inside, that sin and that unrighteousness hasn't really been dealt with or hasn't been given a chance to, to truly test that people still have a choice. Even in the millennial kingdom, uh, obviously you don't want to go up through and That's your choice—not a good one—but you have a choice. Uh, and so that sin nature again is not gone. That's how Satan uh, is able to amass this massive army after a thousand years of Jesus ruling on this earth. And verse nine, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Every person that wanted to rise up against Jesus after His reign, uh, immediate judgment happens. Fire comes down and devours, just wipes everyone out, gone. Verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is the devil is finally finished off. There he is no more to be around to show his ugly face. he's cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. We are on the winning side, folks. We are victorious. We don't have to fear. We don't need to quit or give up. It doesn't matter how much Satan brags about his power. He's not greater than our Jesus. He's not greater than our God. And he's going to give him one more chance, one more time to rebel at the end of the thousand years. But in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the Bible says fire is going to come out of heaven. And is going to wipe everyone out on the earth that does not agree with him, that stands against him. Every sinner is gone. Every unbeliever is gone. Every devil is gone. And it's going to be ushering in the time of eternity where it's only going to be righteousness. It's only going to be the people of God. It's only going to be people that are going to be worshiping Jesus Christ forever and ever. Because all sin is gone. Uh, uh, death is gone. Uh, and, and, and so there's going to be a time where this ushers in eternity. After the thousand years, that battle really quick. A uh, split second, that's all over. And then next week, we'll get into the final. Uh, after this is the white throne judgment where every soul is judged. God has dealt with every man, every child, every woman. Uh, given them all a chance, an opportunity to live, all a chance, an opportunity to make a choice. Even those that survive and born in the millennial kingdom, you still have a choice. Who are you going to serve? And so every person is going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. And then after that, we are we step into eternity where you don't got to worry about sin anymore. You don't got to worry about the devil anymore because he's already cast out into the lake of fire for eternity. And we're just going to be tormented day and night. What a great day that's going to be. And that is right around the corner because it all kicks off with the rapture of the church. Amen. We're going to worship him forever and ever. Why don't we begin to do that tonight? Let's worship him because he alone is worthy.
1: you are the King
0: of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, we don't have to wait to worship you, Jesus. We lift you up now, God. And all that we do, God, we do as unto the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Help us, Jesus, to live the life you've called us to live. Amen. And we don't have to wait for the millennial kingdom to come to experience the benefits because God's given us those benefits through his spirit right now. And so uh, we should be living our lives to the fullest because God has so much for us, amen, so much available to the people of God to survive in this day and age, amen, and uh, we're going to see him coming soon and very soon, amen. we got to be ready.